Hey, Lauren here. Welcome to the Compel podcast, where we share our ordinary women's spread the gospel story. This season at Compel, we have been remembering why we share the gospel story and what motivates us to share Christ with the world. We have looked at how His love compels us and how knowing God's purpose motivates us. And so today we're going to be answering the question, is God's word really the source of truth and can we trust it? We're going to be chatting with Andrea Tom, who is a Canadian author, speaker, and blogger for her ministry, Live the Word, Love the Word, where she writes Bible studies to help people encounter Christ. We are so excited for you to listen in on this encouraging conversation with Andrea. Andrea, welcome to the Compel Podcast. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to coming and meeting with you today. Yeah, it's such a joy to get the chat to you today and about just such a really important topic. So we're we're really excited for that. But before we get to that, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself for our listeners so they can get to know you, um, maybe how the gospel has impacted your life and what your life looks like right now. Yes, that's a big question. So um, I have been married for 17 years as of next week. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I have three kids, uh, two boys with a girl in the middle. Uh, My older son is in high school and my other two are in elementary school. Uh, We've had a lot of adjusting to do with the COVID dynamics in the house this last six months and even with school, but uh, God has been good to us and we're all kind of finding our rhythm. Uh, I am an occupational therapist by training, uh, but I haven't been doing that as much lately uh, just because I've been writing and speaking more and working on some Bible studies that are coming out and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where my heart is uh, increasingly going and has been for most of my life, really, to be honest. Um, And as far as how the gospel has impacted my life, I think the answer is how has it not impacted Mm -hmm. my life? Um, I mean, from salvation, I I asked Jesus into my heart when I was really little, uh, but my perception of him was a bit more of a teddy bear that helps me um, when I'm sad or lonely. And then as I moved into my tween years, I started to understand more the cost associated with serving Jesus and loving him. And so that was a big time of growth for me as well um, through I was baptized after that point and then when I moved into my high school years I started to question faith started to question um, do I believe this because this is how I grew up so I started to explore the gospel and the message of Jesus compared to other religions. And then when I moved into university, once I kind of resolved that, it was, well, what denomination am I? Like there's so many different types of Christianity. Now what do I do? So the gospel really has impacted all of those seasons of life as I've moved through them. And I'm passionate about evangelism so that people know the gospel, they know Jesus and who he is for their lives. But also, uh, I'm passionate about discipleship and helping people love his word and see that its truths are not stuffy. It's for everybody, no matter how ordinary you are. Um, and it really intersects with everyday life. So that's the quick, not so quick answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing. It's just so exciting to know other Canadian women who are, you know, writing yes. Bible studies. And yeah, this yes. is just so fun to connect with you. Just to give some context, we've been spending time this season talking about what motivates us to share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And we've looked at, you know, what is the gospel and what is our purpose? Everything that we are saying is based on the fact or the assumption that the Bible is true. Mm -hmm. And so 
it would be just so helpful to boost our confidence. Like, yes, we can trust this. Um, you know, there is that looming question a lot of us have. And yeah, just so many of us have built our lives on the truths in God's word that it's just so important for us to stop and be like, okay, am I convinced that this really is a reliable source for me to build my life on? So um, yeah. before we jump in, I also wanted to add a side note here at Compel. We do hold the underlying belief that there is absolute truth. You know, that's a whole other argument. Is there absolute yeah. truth or is truth subjective? But just for sake of time, we're building this conversation on that foundation that absolute truth does exist. We're tackling the question where is that source and can I trust the Bible as that source? So how would you briefly answer someone who would ask, how do we know the Bible is trustworthy? That's, uh, yeah, that's a really big question. And there's different ways that we can come at this. Um, we can look at the historical reliability of it, like looking at the details of history and what is in there and whether it lines up with the Bible, we can look at the larger narrative of scripture. So the Bible is actually one story from Genesis to Revelation. So how does that impact this question? Um, we can look at how it has at least anecdotally changed so many people's lives across history and look at the personal witness, the personal testimony that people give mm -hmm. about the reliability of the Bible. So we can work through each one of those things. Do you have a place you want to start here? Or do you want to start with maybe the history of it and some of the common things that people might say as far as the re its reliability historically? Um, yeah, like you're kind of touching on the whole topic of bibliology, right? Which is a fancy word for how we have got, how we got the Bible. So that process. So maybe, um, we would love to touch on all of those things that you mentioned briefly, but maybe we could start with the process maybe, mm -hmm. like how did this Bible How we come actually to be? got it. Yeah, yeah. So like the historical. But like in a summary. Yes. You know, like obviously. Yes, summary. yes, yes. <laughs> No, I know. You could do an entire right. uh, That's the hard thing. You could do a this. whole series on it. So. Oh, I know. Yes. Yes. It's, um, you know, it's interesting. There's uh, some people who say that Constantine, back in the third century, got some church leaders together, and he made them kind of all decide which books got into the holy book, into mm -hmm. the Bible in the first place. So this would be kind of early third century. But really, if you look back at the evidence, that's not actually what happened. What happened when they got together at that time was they were just addressing different heresies in mm -hmm. the church. Um, and I think that they were even looking at the date of Easter <laughs> mm -hmm. and defining that was um, it actually the Bible of how the, the process of how we got the Bible was actually, I think, a lot more organic than people realize. I have a quote here by F.F. Bruce, and he says, when at last a church council, the Synod of Hippo in AD 393, listed the 27 books of the New Testament, it did not confer upon them any authority which they did not already possess, but simply recorded their previously established canonicity. So that's a bit of a fancy way to say that um, when the original manuscripts of the Gospels in the New Testament happened, they were um, just encouraged to copy them as much as possible. So there was this this huge spread of the gospel throughout the Roman Empire and Europe and Asia Minor and North Africa. Like it was just duplicates. It was massive widely spread. And so you've got parts of the New Testament that are actually quoting itself as scriptural authority. And there was a lot of um, 
people who are just accepting that very naturally as authenticated work before any church fathers kind of came later and said, yes, this is it. Mm. Um, but to more specifically answer your question, there's a, a, a man named Bloomberg and he said, well, at some point, like people did sit down and say, okay, well, what shouldn't be in here? What should be in here? Um, and so very briefly, he gave a few kind of criteria by which some would actually get in or not. Um, one would be the apostolic uh, value of it. So this basically is the, were these documents, were these manuscripts actually written by the apostles themselves, the original mm -hmm. followers of Jesus themselves, or were they at least close associates? Mm -hmm. um, what was the orthodoxy of it, which basically is, does the manuscripts that we're seeing, do they line up with the larger story of Israel that happens in the Old Testament? Or are these completely rogue, don't line up, they're inconsistent with what we see elsewhere? Is that happening? Um, we see, we look at things like how widely were they received with the reception of the churches? Like sometimes there would be kind of rogue sects over on the side that would say, oh, Jesus gave me some secret teachings about the cosmology of the universe. And so mm -hmm. that wouldn't have been widely adopted by the church. So they would say, no, like that didn't have that kind of wide reception. So we're not going to do that. So those are some ideas of some of the criteria of how you would determine which got in. And the last one I'll just name quickly is uh, a man named Michael Kruger. He actually talks about um, the criteria of is it inspired or not? Mm -hmm. So were these documents used by the Holy Spirit to actually mature believers? Like, were you actually seeing transformation in their lives? Or was it just kind of a dead book that was being passed around? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that is so much stuff to talk about. I feel like I, <laughs> I don't even know where to go. My mind is going all over the place here. But I think what you had mentioned, like the inspiration, I think that's so important because I think there's a lot of scholars and people today who they might not believe that God is like all powerful and all knowing enough to have actually inspired this, like, but to believe that, mm. yes, like God is the creator and has done all these things and he is capable of inspiring these words. And, but if you don't believe that these are the words of God that are inspired, then that will change how you interpret or believe that the process came about. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Second Peter 1, it talks about how God carried along. That's the word mm -hmm. he used. God carried along the human authors to write down those original autographs. They call them those original manuscripts. Um, and yeah, we really do believe that his word is actually through the human pen to them because that's what the word very simply tells us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like even though there were, what is it, 40 different authors over a time span of yeah. over 2,000 years. Um, the fact that their message is so unifying, it just reveals that there was one author, and that's God behind each of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's just so awesome, the fact that they were writing from different time periods and their message all lines up. It just is yes. amazing. It's really a supernatural work mm -hmm. when we look at God's Word. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I grew up in the church, and I – wasn't really taught that when I was younger. I actually was an adult for years who hadn't heard that it's actually one story. I thought that they were all just individual stories. 
So when I saw that there's this whole larger story that connects them all, just as you said, it actually made me worship God more. Mm -hmm. It actually made me love him more. It made me see the reliability, as you say, of scripture so much more because it's just so beautiful and how it was all packaged together. Yeah. And it's so cool because, yeah, I'm the same with you. Like I grew up in Sunday school hearing all these stories like, oh, yeah, Noah. And the next week, yeah. Jesus in the temple. Like, okay, these are cool stories, I guess. Kind of weird. But just yeah. to go through and hear them all together as one story. It's like, wow, this is one story. And then, then you see the impact of who Jesus is and why he is so important and just the messiness yeah. of everything from the Old Testament that points to him. Like, well, this is the coolest message ever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does change your life when you understand that. So mm -hmm. um, how have you seen God's word impact your own life and or and impact other people's lives in a powerful way? Oh, that's a big question too. Um yeah, well, I think about to everything I just said as far as how it really addressed all the different areas that I would be going through at the time as far as the authenticity of the Bible and scripture and all of that kind of thing. Um, but the word of God says that it, it teaches us, it rebukes us, it convicts us, it has, it guides us, it molds us, it, all of those things. And I've experienced his word impact me in all those ways. Um, I remember when I looked at Psalms like uh, 119, where David is like, I delight in your law and I love your words. It's like this mushy, gushy love song to his word. And I was like, okay, this guy's a level of holy that I will never be. It's like he's getting out the guitar and just singing a love song to the precepts, right? Like I thought, I just don't get it. I'm never going to be like this. Um, but I tell you, when I have sinned, when I have messed up, um, I look back on the law of God and I think it was so beautiful. It was mm -hmm. so true. If only I had delighted in it, mm -hmm. if only I had obeyed it. And I started to feel that delight and the truth and the power of his word as I see myself against it. Um, so I think it's impacted me in the sense that it makes me delight in its goodness and its truth where I've failed. Um, it's come to me in times of sorrow or pain or you know, loved ones dying or different issues we've gone through. My my son, he actually was in a bad accident with his hands and mm -hmm. several of his fingers were severed. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember in the ambulance just crying out to God, would you please show me yourself? Mm -hmm. I wanted that tangible expression of felt something of Jesus being with me. And people started to flood my text with his word. Mm. I didn't get, at least in that moment, that felt sensation of Jesus. But you know what I did get? He brought me himself through his truth. So I've mm -hmm. seen in sorrow that his word comforts and comes alongside yes. me in ways that are meaningful and impactful. And my son saw that too. We journeyed through that as a family to see how his word intersected with our pain again and again and again. So mm -hmm. um, you see it in times of delight too, the opposite. So those would be a couple that stick out to me in, in my head anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a big question because ultimately we think of, you know, the gospel, our relationship with the Lord, it's all only possible because we have the written word. Like the written word is the method that God has chosen to pass down these truths. And yeah, if we didn't have it to read or hear about it, we wouldn't be able to know the Lord. And it seems crazy but that he would put so much weight on the word, but it, it really just shows how amazing it is to to just be able to read it and uh, and know it. Mm. And yeah, it's... What um, said, oh. Sorry, you go ahead. 
No, it's just it just what you said reminded me of a verse. It's uh, Psalm one nineteen three, and it says like, if the foundations are destroyed, what are the righteous to do? Mm-hmm. You know, which is exactly what you're speaking to. If you if we don't have the word and we can't mm-hmm. trust it, then what are where are any of us? We're just completely nowhere. That's so true. Yeah. I keep thinking of that lately, kind of the same thing, especially this year in 2020. There's been some crazy circumstances and crazy mm-hmm. reactions from people. And it does cause mm-hmm. you to doubt like, wow, what is this? This is so crazy. <laughs> and what's the point? And why are people acting like this? Or why is God allowing this? And then I find myself thinking the same things Peter did. I don't remember the verse, but where he said, Lord, to who else would I go? You have the words of life. And it doesn't yes. matter what mm-hmm. my circumstances are or how people are treating me. And it's not the godly way, but God is still true. And like his word, I can come back to it and know God is true and he is good and just, and I can rely on that. Yes. So it's so encouraging and that hope that we can anchor to, to know like, yeah, he's God and he's good and just. Yeah. It really yes. is our reference point. Mm-hmm. Like when everything else falls apart, we can always go back. <laughs> I think that's yes. the times that I've cherished it the most are mm-hmm. times when I feel like I don't even know what to hold on to. It's like the only thing mm-hmm. I can hold on to. And even just talking about COVID during the quarantine in March, when my husband and I were just home all day, every day, we were facing some like financial uncertainty. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. all our plans for that time were just thrown in the air. And I was just forced to be like, okay, what is life about? Like Mm -hmm. what really matters here? And I was studying Philippians at that time and just remembering the gospel, really Paul's purpose just to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I feel like during that time, my focus and my purpose was really clarified. I'm like, okay, my life is really just about Christ. And, but then that's when these thoughts came into my mind. Okay. Like if I'm going to make my life all about Christ, which I have, but you know, there's those times where you just resolve to again, um, those questions did come to my mind. Am I able to defend this, the word of God to people? Am I able to explain Mm Um, why I'm banking my life on this. And actually, I spent Mm -hmm. a few months during the quarantine studying Mm -hmm. um, bibliology more and pulling out my books from Bible college. And Mm -hmm. really, I wanted to be able to articulate why I trust this book. And so we don't have to get into all those nitty gritty details. We've touched Mm -hmm. on it, but we could link the blog series I wrote on that during that time. If anyone needs more, you know how some people need just more hard facts Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we'll leave that there for anyone who wants Mm -hmm. it there's so many resources but yeah just um you've mentioned andrea some ways that you've seen god's word impact your life in a powerful way and um what about you lauren can you think of any (laughs) i was trying to think of one and i honestly Mm -hmm. was struggling to find like one big moment Mm -hmm. and that's what made me realize that it really is a lot of little consistent moments that God's word has changed my life. Like a lot of little moments of Mm -hmm. maybe struggling with temptation and running to the word Mm -hmm. and remembering truths about who I am in Christ and walking in it. Like there's just Mm -hmm. so many little times that if anything, it's maybe seeing where my life would be if I did not have it in those little moments. I don't know. Well, and I like what you said too about, you mentioned the word banking and I think it's so true. Like you have to study God's word and bank up these biblical truths and store them for difficult times. And one moment I remember that, yeah, reading God's word prepared me for a hard season life was when I was pregnant and then finding out my son had a heart defect and needed surgery, Mm. but just going through, just knowing what the Bible says about, you know, God created us and he loves us, even my child and he owns us. And no matter what happens, like he is in control. And so just these truths that, man, they're all in God's word and they're just preparing my mind for, 
difficult things and just being able to believe those truths. And that's what gives me peace is, you know, putting my rest on these biblical truths and promises from God. So that was a season of life that, yes, I was definitely leaning on those truths for almost every day. <laughs> um, so we were kind of talking about yeah, all these encouraging stories of how God's word isn't just just so powerful and just working on our lives. And because um, it is true, like you, we do doubt God's goodness a lot or just wondering what's going on in our lives. And we can go back to that, just trusting him, those hard seasons. Um, another problem I think that I see often in my own life and other lives is that we are selective in what we believe as true. Like we can believe, yeah, God's word is true. But when it gets to saying things about like, yeah, sexual purity or submission to governing authorities, um, some of those trickier opinions and truths like yeah that's hard to i don't know sometimes it's easy to pick and choose like well i'll believe you know who god is but i'm not going to believe like what he wants me to do in these certain areas or we can think well that was a different culture and things are different now so god wouldn't want us you know the bible's old um so andrea like what would be wrong about picking and choosing what aspects are truth from the bible that we want to believe um or what happens if we don't believe want to believe that all of the bible is god inspired word you know, it's uh, often the way that that, um, that kind of thought is packaged is the Bible is just a matter of interpretation mm -hmm. kind of throughout. And so therefore we can't trust it. Um, but you had talked before about, you know, can we bank our lives on the word? Maybe a starting point question to ask is if we're not banking it on the word what are we banking it on because we're all banking yes. it on something <laughs> so let's look at not just the gaps where we're looking at scripture but let's look at the gaps in our own perspective mm. uh, to see if that is as reliable as God's truth mm. so that would be you know a starting point question to ask um, I remember Ravi Zacharias too saying yes there's all kinds of theological interpretations out there but the reality is that some are better than others. So we can know a lot more, I think, than we sometimes expect that we might know. Mm -hmm. So when we come to points of confusion about an interpretation, we can say, well, let's actually try to know which is the best argument here. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, I think my answer to this would be, does it make sense that God would speak his words, carry through, carry through human authors to us to not be known? Mm -hmm right? He's, he wants us to know who he is. And what you see in, in Jesus, who quotes the scripture all the time in his own life and work, uh, you don't see him treating the Bible with any kind of suspicion. He, he approaches it with full trust, with full reverence. And so there's really no precedent in his life. There's really no ability for us to speak to kind of parts of the Bible that are so authoritative compared to other parts. Like some people will say, well, I believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's very authoritative. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, yeah, when we look at some of those wars or we look at some of these issues that I don't want to submit to, man, like I'm not so sure about that. Mm -hmm. um, but there's really no uh, precedent to do that. We don't have the authority to make those calls. And so we have to say, is God who he is, which is true and trustworthy? Mm -hmm. Has he given us the whole thing as reliable scripture or not? And I think maybe the question that lurks deeper under people's hearts is are you willing to submit to it even when you don't understand mm. it even mm. when you don't like it that's kind of the starting point hard issue to address before you even engage in some of these reliability questions that we've got yeah it's so true 
that doesn't mean like we need to blindly believe these things, right? Yeah, I think that's what got me is, yes, there is an aspect of faith. And Jesus says that those of us who believe without seeing him are blessed. But it is, there are some facts that we can choose. It's like God has revealed certain things to us and it's up to us whether we're going to trust him with Mm -hmm. what he's revealed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there are a lot of solid facts about the fact that Christ was here and he did die and he rose again. I like what you said, Andrea, that Jesus himself um, treated God's word as trustworthy. Mm -hmm. I think I read somewhere that a third of the New Testament is just Jesus quoting the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he built off of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus too, like when you look at what he actually talked about, when it was referring to the Old Testament, he he cited all kinds of stuff. Like mm-hmm. he was citing uh, the Old Testament laws, like they had moral laws and ceremonial laws. He talked about that. Um, he quoted from the whole Bible. So he's quoting about Abel and Genesis. He's quoting Zechariah, the prophet. He's He's really affirming the whole thing. He's quoting the future coming to come. So there's no um, just picking and choosing in himself either about what is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's telling them basically the reason why he's doing this is he's trying to show like I've fulfilled a lot of this stuff. This Mm -hmm. is one continual story and it comes to fulfillment in me. Mm -hmm. But he also uses it to kind of support his teaching too. Mm -hmm. So I think it's in Matthew 10 where he talks about uh, he refers to Micah about how we need to stand up against opposition, even in our own families sometimes. And this is part of the Mm -hmm. Christian journey. So he's he's using them to build us up, um, build his people up while he was here. So um, it's important to see if we're Jesus people, then we are Old Testament people. We just have to look through at the Old Testament through the lens of the new. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful because as you're reading through the Old Testament or new, like whether it's Jesus or God in the Old Testament or whoever, you're just seeing that God does want to be known and he's trying to, he's a communicator and he wants He's not this distant God who just created us and left. Like he desires this relationship and wants to dwell with his people. And so that's just beautiful to see. It's not just this God's word. It's not just something, I don't know, just to read, but it's a way to get to know God and have mm-hmm. a relationship with him. So that's yes. so beautiful. Yeah. And that there's logic to it as well. I found great relief in that to know mm-hmm. that there is historical logical mm-hmm. reliability. Yeah. Like there's something like 20 times more manuscripts around the time of Jesus with the gospels than any other comparable writing mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Like just this explosion, like just that alone and all the New Testament writings and how everything was verified. Like, I mean, there's there's logic to it if we're looking to get those intellectual reasons behind why we believe as well yeah just trying to follow our train of thought here so we were just talking about the problem of when we struggle to trust all of god's word is true like you said andrea sometimes that can just be our own heart issue where we have to ask ourselves am i do i have a willing heart that's willing to trust god at his word even when i don't like it um Mm -hmm. so yeah if we're convinced that god's word is truly inspired by him and uh he is really God, and he has the right to tell us what is true. Um, And uh, yeah, we are able to come to a point where we say, okay, God, yeah, I believe even if I don't like what you say, um, I want to trust you at your word. 
um, what does it look like for us in our lives to cherish and value his word as authoritative in our lives? I think what it means is that we prioritize it um, Mm. with a certain amount of regularity. My kids, well, my daughter especially, she's reading through this this biography series of Christian missionaries. Mm. And so it's been fascinating because I've read them too. I just was so inspired by their lives. I'm inspired by what they've done and details about them I never knew. But, you know, after this series... I know a lot about these authors that I didn't know. I'm definitely inspired by their lives, but I don't actually know them. (laughs) Whereas when we come to the word of God, I learn all about God. I learn all about myself. I learn all about Jesus, but the word is living and active to meet me there. Mm -hmm. So I am actually meeting him. I am actually transformed by him. And that's why it's unlike any other book. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so beautiful is that I am changing and I am growing in intimacy with an actual God Mm -hmm. as a part of this process. And that's something to be... um, submitting to with regularity, spending time with someone with regularity. And there's all kinds of excuses that even I can make and all of us do why we don't do that in the way we should. Um, But that is to me, the ultimate of why we sit under his authority is to know him. Yeah. I I think back at my, my Christian life. Yeah. There have been times where I just can't wait to wake up in the morning and just dig in God's (laughs) word and I treasure it. Like, Oh, this is so great. I just I wish I had more time, but there's also been so many times where, you know, I haven't read the Bible for a month and I have to force yes. myself to like open yes. it and like, oh, is it 10 minutes, 15 minutes? How many? You know, like just, yes. There's these waves in my life. And um, <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but like, why is, why is that? Do you have any idea why we go back and forth and there's low times and or dry times? People have different words for it. And then times where, yeah, we just love it. Well, that's kind of a, like a relationship with anybody, right? Like I feel those things you're describing with my husband. <laughs> you know, sometimes he's great and I'm married to the best man in the world. And then other times it's like, wow, this is hard. This is a discipline to love this person. And he says the same thing about me, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're human beings who are not, I think, connecting with the Lord the way we should. And that's more indicative of our human hearts. Mm-hmm. The Bible says um, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Um, wouldn't it be wonderful to wake up every day and say, I am just going to glorify God today. I have made that my goal, you know, so many times that I would just live with that kind of desire every day. But sometimes it's, it's not my desire. It's a discipline. And that's fair. And that's honest. That's real. Mm -hmm. That's transparent. That is what we're all going to go through. And that's indicative of of the Mm -hmm. human experience. Um, And I think that it's something that, um, it, it tests us, it tries us, it grows us, it matures our faith. Um, you look at the experience of Job and, you know, he says, I'm looking for God. And you know what I see? I see he's not there. Mm. Or the psalm, or psalmist David, he's, I look to the north and the south and the east and the west. And you know what I see? He's absent. Mm. This is a normal part of the Christian experience is to sometimes look for him and he's not always there in a tangible expressed way that we might not. And I think that it's important to know that there's normalcy in that, that God has a plan and his ways are higher than our ways in that. It's helpful to know that godly people, even in scripture, are struggling just like us Mm -hmm. with that. Um, And so that's where we need community to help keep pointing us to the Lord, pointing us to his word, 
and to know that sometimes it is simply a bit more of a duty than it is a delight at times. Mm. And that's helpful to hear because sometimes you can think or you hear from others like, well, if you don't want to, if you don't desire to read God's word, then maybe you're not saved. And like, then that creates a lot of tension. Like, yes. what then? Well, how do, but how did I get saved? I thought that was from believing. And what if I don't feel like it? And mm-hmm. yeah, our salvation really isn't based on our feelings, but there is mm-hmm. that relational aspect of like you're saying it. So that, I think that's really nice to hear at the yeah, it's normal, but we should, you know, we got to, I don't know how to yeah. say that. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's freeing to know that, like, we're not alone in feeling mm-hmm. like it's a struggle to read. Um, mm-hmm. I think also, too, sometimes we have this expectation that every time we open it, we're going to walk away feeling super empowered mm-hmm. and, like, you know, emotional. And um, But that's, I think, I forget where I heard this, but it's a picture of like, you know, that whole like sowing and reaping, like we will reap what we're sowing Mm -hmm. and sowing in those little times of being in the word Mm -hmm. that will Mm -hmm. pay off. Just like you said, Andrea, with a relationship, those little hard disciplines of investing in your relationship, it will, you will reap the benefits of that. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I just am realizing more and more that the little times that I get a chance to open it and read it, it is slowly, you know, renewing my mind and even if I don't walk away feeling super excited that day, I just have to trust that he's going to bring fruit in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for people who are kind of in a, a dry time or maybe they're a new believer or just trying to get into learning how to study the Bible or read it, do you have suggestions for them? I think that um, it's really important to try and look for some resources that speak to what we've talked about, how the Bible is one story from Genesis to Revelation that kind of has that fuller story picture to them. I would recommend that for Bible studies or other kinds of works that maybe aren't as studious, but maybe devotional material that can constantly bring us back to that larger kind of picture of who Jesus is and what he has done and how we fit in that. So that would be something I'd keep in mind. Um, There's all different ways of how you can approach it, though. Um, Sometimes I go through a season of creating a Bible study or doing someone else's Bible study, and it's intense, and it's just this two-month intensive experience. But then I'm a little exhausted by that. Mm -hmm. And so then I just move to kind of a, a reading plan where when I come across an area that I don't understand, I just leave it and I keep on reading. I don't study. I just kind of read to get a greater scope of the whole picture and and enjoy without all of that analytical detail. And then another time I might go through a devotional that, you know, speaks to certain things about going through scripture, but they're more bite-sized pieces. So Um, there's all kinds of Bible studies as well. There's really intense inductive ones like Precept. There's Simeon Trust, which is a great resource that helps us understand context and how the books are all in. So maybe the first thing is to just say, where am I at right now? Maybe I'm not reading the Bible at all ever. Um, it's sometimes a a bad idea to look at, you know, the holiest thing we could possibly do. Okay. Well, I know someone who, you know, prays for four hours and they get up at three in the morning. So that's going to be me. And then that fails Mm -hmm. and then they get discouraged and then they just stall permanently. Um, But just look at where you're at, wherever the listeners are right now and say, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take one small step from where I am. So maybe Mm -hmm. that means I pray every morning. Perfect. Start there. Maybe I'm too analytical all the time. So maybe I'll do Bible study for 10 minutes 
but then I'll do 10 minutes of just meditating on that. So it actually sinks in and I commune with God a bit because I'm not as much of a communer. (laughs) Maybe I'm always going for the experience. So maybe I'm going to challenge myself with the study. So really kind of doing some self-analysis about where you're at and take one small step and just God will train you and grow you deeper and deeper, little by little in your own way. I love that analogy because like thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm not a runner and I would love to be a runner, but I, I wouldn't just go and sign up for whatever, like the Boston Marathon or anything. That would be way too crazy. So yeah. I need to start where I am at. And maybe that's that old app, like couch to something. What was that? <laughs> couch potato to runner. I don't know. Um, so I, I think that's a great analogy to realize. Yeah. Just do what I can and just take those small steps and see where it goes from there. And mm-hmm. um Yeah, and I love, you know, how you talked about the goal of reading the Bible is really to know God more. And it's not to be, you know, seen as a super studious person Mm -hmm. or to get praise from people. It's really just to know him more. So that's helped me a lot in just realizing my priority. Like, you know, I would love to get all the, the questions answered in this Bible study in one sitting. But if I spend half an hour on one question and I feel like I know God better, then that's a successful Mm -hmm. time, right? So just keeping that big goal in mind helps a lot. Like you said, whatever it is that you're doing, just remember Mm -hmm. that it's not about being smarter. It's Mm -hmm. about knowing God more. And I think that's kind of what God wants too, because you think in the Old Testament where, you know, God doesn't want all these sacrifices and offerings. He wants like our obedience and faithfulness. He wants that relationship not just the act so he doesn't want us to check off oh these all these chapters i read per day but he wants mm-hmm. us to like you're saying like commune with him and have that relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and doing things in community helps so much mm-hmm. yeah. you know god made us for community um he himself is community father son and holy spirit mm-hmm. you know so we need each other Um, I can't tell you the times where I've been in a Bible study, say, and then I don't complete a number of weeks, but I go to the Bible study anyway, because I learn from what other people are saying, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, and whether it's a life group that you're in at church or whether it's going to church in the first place, we're so made for each other to learn from each other and model God's truth to each other. Um, So prioritizing that as a means of endurance, (laughs) as a means of accountability, as a means of staying faithful and true to his word and picking the right resources. Like I can't tell you how invaluable that's been for me and I think is for us all. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Just being together in the word with each other is so important for our growth. So yeah, just trying to summarize everything that we've talked Mm -hmm. about. Um, Yeah, we talked about how we got the Bible briefly and we can trust it as, you know, a reliable historical document. And we talked about just the power of God's word in our lives is a testimony to itself as well. And yeah, just the the problem of struggling to really accept all of it as true and then just valuing it in our lives and treasuring it and what that looks like. And I don't know, is there anything that we haven't covered or? Well, I have a per, not a personal question, <laughs> um, but as you, you know, you talk about how creating <laughs> your, you create Bible studies and like, what are some of your goals for those studies? Yeah, it's uh, the reason I never intended to write a Bible study series. Like I didn't wake up one day and I thought this is it. I didn't dream about this when I was little or something like that. Um, The reason why I chose Bible study is because I thought there's no better thing that I could 
imagine helping people grow in their relationship with God and other than bringing them him, Yeah, you know, bringing them his word. And so while I think there's a place for, you know, commentary and context and, you know, there's a devotional aspect to the studies as well. At the end of the day, whether you like my writing or not, whether you like the style, whether you like the length and the formation and all of those details, it doesn't matter because if you've met God there, which you have because you're going to be in the word, then it's still going to have been totally worth it. So that was what the motivation was behind uh, driving the Bible studies is I just thought the power of bringing the word was much more powerful than any book I could write, at least at that time. And, um, and that was the ultimate truth that's going to change our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. On that topic, do you have, um, you said you're working on a new Bible study. Did you want to share any of your resources or <laughs> what you're working on? Yeah, what studies have you yeah. made so far? Well, there's just been two. So I've got uh, Ruth, Redeeming the Darkness, that released a while ago. And so that's available if you want to purchase that. And Amos, Come Awake, uh, which is a really uh, great message to, I think, our current climate of culture and what's going on right now to um, come out of our spiritual slumber that we can be in and come back to his truth and back to the word. So it touches on a lot of the stuff that we've started to talk about here. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually coming out this month. I can't remember the day. I think it's just even next week. Um, And so that'll be available um, for people to do, um, hopefully in a group study, just because I like that communal Mm -hmm. aspect to it. But other than that, um, I do write and blog and speak on a variety of other different platforms, but I'm right in the middle of the Bible study series right now. Um, I'm debating what to do for my next study. Um, some people have said, Andrea, you got to do Leviticus. <laughs> and so I thought, oh my goodness, no one will ever buy a Bible study in Leviticus. But part of me wants to do it because um, if you look at Leviticus through a New Testament lens, what is the relevance of it? Like, why should we ever do it? So I'm kind yeah. of motivated to do that at some point. We'll see if it actually happens. I don't know. That's so cool. um, but I think Ezra is probably the next one that's coming. So that's cool. That's so fun. That's been like a life dream for me is to make a Bible really? study. Leviticus I know it's like no one's done it like there you go and it's there and it's important for us today but like I want to know why is it so important and that kind of thing so that's so fun (laughs) you should totally do it (laughs) what about you Andrea is there anything just on this whole topic um, of God's word is there anything final that you wanted to add or that you think is important in this conversation Um, I think what you've done so well here in this podcast is introduce us to some really very honest questions that people have, uh, not only as uh, people who might not be of faith, but also people of faith have these questions as well. Like we're all kind of um, at times where we question something about God's truth or who he is or this whole spiritual realm of Christianity, right? Um, And I find, uh, I think my final encouragement would be to Um, When you experience that kind of gap in knowledge, there's so many resources out there that can get you answering these questions that you have. And some people kind of are stymied. They kind of stop at that gap and they enter into kind of doubts, this ongoing state of I'm not sure. But there's so much out there can, that can resource us well. I would just encourage people to access some great resources because they will really serve as a bridge across that gap of knowledge and keep you moving forward mm-hmm. in Christ during those hard times. So don't think that the questions and the wondering um, or the lack of confidence about something is unknowable or uh, stalls you in the wrong way. 
Mm. Yeah, thanks. That's a good encouragement. Really, any time that we invest in the word is never, ever wasted time. Like, no matter what yeah. it is that you're choosing to do, no matter how small or how big it is, that even if it feels like, oh, I could watch a show right now, I could scroll on my phone, I could do something else that might be more satisfying in the moment. But what I have to keep telling myself is it's never a waste of time to sit and open the word. And I just think of the mm-hmm. verse in Psalm 119, verse 89, you know, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Mm-hmm. The only things that are going to last forever are God's word, God, obviously, and human souls. And so, yeah, it's never a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Amen. So thank you so much, Andrea, for meeting with us today. And I wish it could have been in person, but yeah, no, Zoom is great. <laughs> no, this is fun. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I think what you guys are doing is so great. I think it's impacting lives on a really real level mm-hmm. in a conversational, authentic way. So mm-hmm. I really affirm all you're doing. And I'm so thankful I got to be a part of it today. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Andrea. Don't forget to check out her most recent Bible study, Amos, Come Awake, which is available on Amazon. Follow us on Instagram at Compel Podcast. If you're enjoying this series, please leave a review and tell your friends about the podcast. Till next time. Till next time.